0: Cheers to Dr. Fletcher, JoJo's mom, because if you're going to drink champagne because you're uncomfortable, it's best to do it straight from the bottle. To Dr. Fletcher.
1: To Dr. Fletcher.
0: Cheers to that. A Bachelor franchise podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to exploring the big stories and questions that only a cultural touchstone like The Bachelor can inspire. I'm Stephanie Jackson.
1: And I'm Josh Jackson. Grab a drink and join us on Cheers to That. Speaking of Dr. Fletcher, we are inspired by uh, Mrs. JoJo chugging an entire bottle of champagne straight from the bottle uh, for this week's cocktail. We've already done the French 75, the, the iconic champagne cocktail in a past season so here's another one a little less popular but really good a strong recommend for me this is the airmail it's a combination of rum honey lime and champagne it's awesome it's great for fall it's great for spring it's great for summer it's great for sitting around the house trying to look fancy while waiting out this whole COVID thing the recipe is in the show notes Uh, we hope you like it cheers all right Uh, What is this week? 7,000 in our COVID siege.
0: 17,000, I think.
1: That's how it feels. Uh, We're almost out of our M&M stash at this point.
0: Yeah, my hazelnuts are long gone. We have now blown through the English toffee. It's really, really slim pickings at
1: this point. I got about a quarter bag of peanut butter left. And then it's time to brave Walmart once again with like three layers of PPE on
0: Although our um, respective parental units have sent us so many masks. We have so many masks, you guys. So if you need a mask, um, write to us. We will be happy to send you some. We have enough masks for our entire neighborhood, I'm pretty sure, at this point. So yeah, we're not going to be using all these.
1: Last I checked, we only have two faces uh, altogether. Uh, We don't need 20 to 25 masks. So yeah, Um, so moving on. Week seven and week eight. It's been quite the journey for our dear, sweet Ben. Uh, We lost Becca. We lost Amanda. We lost the last of the twins. It's been really interesting. But before we get into any details, any rapid recaps, we need to discuss a very important question. I know this is an issue that's very close to your heart. Are you ready for this? I think I know what's coming. This is an issue that plagues so many lovers of the English language, mm, mm-hmm. and, and teachers of the English language. And it's, it's a sin, a cardinal sin, that Ben has committed at least twice in this season. And that is talking about both the thing that you have and the thing that the other person has at the same time and how you phrase that. So Ben will say, Becca and I's thing or Emily and I's thing. When both you and Becca have a thing, how do you say it? Well, I'm glad you brought this up. And first
0: of all, I would like to start by saying how important it is to engross ourselves in this, (laughs) especially when we are, you know, doing a rewatch and, and, and minding our P's and Q's so closely. Otherwise it could be a finasco. It could be a finasco. So, The way that you work this out is very simple. If there was a banana that belonged to both you and to me, I would say separately, that is my banana, or I would say, that is your banana. That is Josh's banana. That is my banana. But if it belonged to both of us, I would say, that is Josh's and my banana. Ta-da! Very simple. Don't overthink it. Eyes is not a word. I apostrophe S. Come on. That's that's not a thing. Stop saying it. It just makes me think you're talking about eyes. Like, private eyes. Are watching you. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. And we can't afford Hall & I don't think. So no, no. probably shouldn't sing that anymore. But great song. And not what we're talking about. So, Josh's and my, Jojo's and my, Becca's and my, come on. Come on, Ben. You can get it. I believe in you.
1: And now we all know, and now we're all better off. You're welcome. Let's go ahead and dive into a rapid recap on week seven and eight of the classic Ben Higgins season.
0: And in honor of Amanda, I would just like to say, um, rapid recap.
1: (laughs) All right. Week seven. What could possibly be more romantic than Mexico City or the Bahamas?
0: How about Warsaw, Indiana, the orthopedic capital?
1: We kick off with Ben giving his parents a rundown of the six remaining girls uh, at some kind of what, trucker diner or something?
0: Meanwhile, the girls are out throwing leaves at each other with their infinity scarves on, just, you know, getting ready for their family photo shoot for their Christmas card, by the looks of it.
1: Lauren gets the first one-on-one date of the week. A romantic stroll through all of Ben's childhood haunts.
0: She seems very impressed by the fact that he was a quarterback and not at all concerned that he may have peaked in high school.
1: Wow. Ombre hair was a really big thing the year this season was shot.
0: And I'm guessing they all look like this right now because they haven't been able to get their highlights touched up in lockdown. It all comes full circle.
1: At the community center... Holy crap, this Ronnie kid, can you have you seen this kid?
0: Yeah, sinking half-court shots, like, to the point where they were like, no, it will happen. It's not a question. Very impressive, Ronnie.
1: Ben's local dive bar doesn't look very divey.
0: Yeah, true to everything in Ben's life, it kind of looks like a stock photo of a dive bar. Like, we're all here enjoying our generic label-less beers and smiling with very white teeth.
1: It's safe to assume JoJo's one-on-one day is in another city because Lauren B. probably experienced every possible thing you can do in Warsaw.
0: Yeah, they had to drive two hours away, I think it was two hours, I looked it up, to Chicago just because he had exhausted everything that Warsaw has to offer.
1: While Ben and JoJo get to uh, third base, we discover back at home that Becca, Kayla, and Amanda get the three-on-one meaning Emily gets the final one-on-one.
0: But this isn't just any one-on-one. This is a one-on-one on on the Axeman season. So don't get too comfortable, Emily.
1: It's the last group date of the season. Ben and the girls recreate a Land's End catalog photo shoot.
0: It's all about layers and boots, and making sure you have the perfect amount of loose curl waves in your hair for that shot of you picking
1: apples. Becca is kind of a rain cloud on this pumpkin spice latte of a group date.
0: And it's very evident that she just did not care at all about Chris Soul's, aka Prince Farming, because she is neurotic at this point. When we're used to her being calm, cool, and collected all the way to the final two in the other season. Just says a lot.
1: Amanda gets the group date rose, sending Kayla and Becca into a spiral.
0: And her reward is more time with Ben to go to drumroll please,
1: a fast food restaurant. Time to explore the ultimate perfect place to fall in love, McDonald's. Hey, did you know they do breakfast all day now?
0: I mean, normally my breakfast is like avocado toast or like if I'm feeling like really fancy, like I'll make an acai bowl, but like, or like maybe like a smoothie, like a green smoothie, like if I'm feeling like just really cleansing, but like, yeah, I'll have an Egg McMuffin. I mean, I can have it at, like, 7 at night now, so it's, like, you know, it doesn't throw off my whole rhythm, and, like, I have a really fast metabolism, so, like, it's cool. I say evil. I <laughs> evil.
1: Ben gives Emily an ornithology lesson on their one-on-one date.
0: We don't really have birds in Las Vegas. It's just kind of, like, there are feathers, but they're, like, like you wear them, like, on, like, a headdress or like a thong when you're doing a performance.
1: The other girls are trying very hard to say to each other how dumb and young Emily is while being as diplomatic as possible.
0: Yeah, apparently being one year older makes a huge difference in this
1: case. Who would have thought? Here comes the man again. Ben rips the band-aid right off super quick and lets Emily go after a short visit with his parents.
0: But not before we find out that she loves watching movies all day and she doesn't like vegetables. I guess that's all they needed to know.
1: Pre-rose ceremony, Ben and Chris Harrison have a very ominous and cryptic chat.
0: Yeah, they were really trying to misdirect us from the fact that Becca was going home immediately, which didn't we all know that? We all knew that, right?
1: yeah shocker becca does not receive a rose does this count as a blindside
0: yeah becca asked him outright just don't blindside me all i can think is maybe ben thought she meant just don't like pick me up on the side of the road and take me home give me a bed and teach me to play football like that movie the blindside that's probably what he thought right
1: Alright, it's week 8, we're on to hometowns, and based on the previews, we're in for a rough ride.
0: Yes, we're entering into the most exciting part of The Bachelor or Bachelorette's journey, defending the process to unsuspecting family members.
1: Wait, wait a minute. The producers kept Amanda away from her kids until after she saw Ben on the beach? That is some major psychological manipulation, producers. Well played. Man, Considering the pressure cooker Ben is in right now, he's being very smooth and very charming with these kids.
0: Obviously, I mean, they have 20 minutes together to build a sandcastle. What else do you need to know about somebody being ready to be a dad?
1: After a pretty truncated goodbye to Amanda, Ben heads off to Portland to see Lauren.
0: And Lauren immediately proves that she is the coolest out of all of the remaining contestants because she takes Ben to grilled cheese food trucks and a whiskey library.
1: We discover Lauren's true name is Lolo. She was a showgirl. We get quite the tell when Lolo's sister interrogates Ben.
0: Yeah, when he starts crying because he feels so lucky to be getting to know her in a reality show, you know the boy's smitten.
1: Next up, a romantic stroll through a glossy college brochure with Kayla.
0: Yeah, I kind of felt like she was silently pleading for someone to come by and offer to take their picture while they sat on that swing. So it turns
1: out Kayla's dad is Santa.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cool that he's a toy maker. Maybe that's secretly where she came from, cause she kind of seems like a doll that's come to life.
1: So now we're off to Dallas. Let's see if it's as intense as the previews want us to believe.
0: Yeah, JoJo's brothers prove that if you're enough of a bully, you can even make Ben Higgins seem sinister. Ben Higgins.
1: Uh Uh-oh, who's this Chad guy? These producers are brutal.
0: Yeah, the ex who sent the flowers. I'm just thinking at this point, knowing what JoJo goes through in her season, maybe guys named Chad aren't for her.
1: Wow, JoJo's family is slumming it.
0: Yeah, her parents' household decorating aesthetic seems to be large and shiny.
1: These guys really like their sister.
0: Yeah, I started to lose the line between protective and creepy.
1: While the two bands go at it, Mama chugs straight from the champagne bottle.
0: Cheers to you, Dr. Fletcher. I feel like I would have done the same thing in that tense kitchen.
1: So back to the mansion for the rose ceremony. Looks like those kids were scarier than JoJo's brothers. Amanda gets sent home.
0: Should have fed him grilled cheese and whiskey, Amanda.
1: And that is our rapid recap for week seven and eight. What will we discover in the future episodes? Uh, In the meantime, let's get into some deep dive topics from this week's viewing. So... Okay, those episodes were fun. To be honest, looking back through the whole arc for Amanda, I'm a little surprised that she made it this far. And the reason why is if you kind of look at his interactions, Ben's interactions with Amanda uh, up to this point, I had this this observation: like when they would do their one-on-one dates, that like Ben's I, his dynamic with her was more pastoral than romantic. Like he would say things like "love on you." Which is a very in. It's a very in Christian circles. Is a very it's a very Christiany thing to say, and like he just seemed like he kind of like, not pitied her, but like he he but
0: like but like wanted to take care of her kind of.
1: Yeah, like like oh, I, I want to help you out. Like I don't think he he didn't pity her, but it's he did not seem like he really like was into her. Did Did you catch that at all?
0: Yeah, and. She I I was really paying attention to to the way that she was sort of standoffish to him in her body language. Like when they're on the Ferris wheel at the end of their like hometown date, she like he he leaned in to kiss her and she was kind of like, oh, OK, and like kind of like sort of awkwardly kissed him. I mean, maybe it's because they smelled like McDonald's at that point, but <laughs> it's still I was like, she doesn't seem into this.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. It's very interesting because she'll say things in her itms like like i'm in love with him he's a, he's the best i can see him as is being a father etc etc but like their body language never quite clicked to me so
0: and she was really reticent to open up to him and be i mean she was very sweet to him but she didn't seem to share a whole lot with him and and maybe she did and it was kind of cut out or maybe it was because of the cameras or whatever but she seemed a little bit withholding toward him both in her her body language and in her verbal language and you're right he was kind of like i don't know maybe he was just being kind of kind and polite and and going on autopilot a little bit with like how you treat a woman with respect and kindness until she got a little bit more comfortable with him i don't know but i guess they never really got
1: there I can't help but feel like she was like a producer's pick the entire time because she had such a sympathetic arc. But like, but speaking of that, like what, what differentiated her from the other blonde, you know, ombre haired contestants was her kids. And I can't help but feel like, is there, is there some sort of moral question with like having kids be a part of the show? Like when they are in the hometown date on the beach, I just couldn't help but feel like, Those kids are, like, on national TV now. And, like, whether they know what's going on or not, like, we are now seeing into their lives.
0: Yeah, and they've been separated from their mom for weeks now, I think. And the first time they're going to see her is when they're on camera with some strange man there and a whole crew of people filming them. I mean, it's it's pretty brutal. Those are little girls. I mean, aren't they, like, one and three or something like that? I mean, it, it was... They were not old enough to understand what was going on
1: i mean is is there a moral issue there like eh, they're young they'll they'll adapt like it, it can feel kind of cringy, but like is it is there is there a real issue there?
0: I don't know, I think there's a little bit of a a fine line they're skirting there a little bit because they obviously weren't doing any harm to the kids, and they're with their mom and they're they're being supervised and they're being protected but like I said, they've been through this experience of being separated from her and they're being reunited with her with all of these people they don't know around. And just, it just seems a little unkind to them and potentially a little traumatizing. Hopefully they, they did recover and bounce back just fine without too much, uh, too much crying or too much loss of sleep or any kind of behavioral issues. But yeah, it was kind of like really producers. Let's look out for the best interest of these children instead of
1: trying to have a the most dramatic season ever moment. I always feel kind of weird when you have the arc of a contestant being about their, their kid. I, I think a, a, maybe an exception would be Kenny and his daughter. Like, she was older. She seemed a little more self-possessed, and she knew exactly what was happening. Uh, in the case of, like, a one- and a three-year-old, Charlie and Kinsley... Um, they don't know what's going on maybe that's i don't know i don't know one thing i know for sure is it just seemed in poor taste i agree with that but one thing's for sure speaking of poor taste fair rides every ride at the fair is circular it's all about spinning either you spin in circles while you're spinning in circles or you just spin in a big circle you ever notice this
0: Of course I notice it. It's my nightmare. Every time I see footage of this, I'm just like, oh, no, that would be the worst thing ever. Like the scrambler? It's the worst. Yeah, if they took me on, if I was on this show and they took me on that date, I would be like, no, I'm good. Like, let's just do the big hammer and like throw darts at balloons and throw ping pong balls into the funnel paint. Yeah, like throw ping pong balls into the fish bowls and stuff like I'm I will eat cotton candy. I will not get vertigo for this stupid date. That's, that's not happening oh my gosh i get so motion sick oh i can't even think about it
1: i used to look at i used to look at the viking ships you know in my in my grade school years and go there's no way in crap i'll do no, that no no that's the no it's just more at you're adding to the nightmare oh you're welcome i would
0: i would rather face actual vikings than do that ship i will say that amanda does seem to garner a lot of goodwill from the town that seemed to be taken up entirely by Lauren B in her goodwill tour of Warsaw, Indiana earlier between the kids at the youth center saying, Oh, she's our favorite and they're in love and they're going to get married and we want them to kiss. (laughs) And yeah, but hours later they're like, Oh, we love Amanda. Maybe they didn't notice it was different. I mean, they are
1: both tiny and blonde. So what's the big deal? What's the difference? They're all like just uh, a, a, a cloud of Peter's like whatever Peter saw last is what his favorite person is so that's that's kind of the how there's a, there's a Venn diagram there I think
0: yes the Venn diagram is that we cannot go one episode of this rewatch podcast without referencing Peter's season <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I'm just still traumatized by it. I'm still processing it
0: yeah you and Hannah and both I think
1: yeah but not Kelly there's some there's some news there they're 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 tick together
0: well, they were quarantining together in Chicago, I think. But uh yeah, I, I saw something about TikTok. I don't know. I'm not cool enough for TikTok. I don't I don't keep up.
1: So, okay. So, let's there's some strategic stuff to think about here. And that is the way there out so let's, there's 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 something that happened in week 7. There was a revisitation of the allegations that Leah made about Lauren um, and just the whole, that whole hullabaloo and the clarification with that. Uh, but, you know, Lauren and Ben, you know, talk about it and it kind of gets, gets, gets kind of like washed away, like whatever, pretty, pretty quickly. There's a weird comparison between the allegations with Lauren and the allegations with Olivia. I feel like what is it that makes the allegations against Lauren so quick and easy to brush off, but the allegations against Olivia to be so troublesome for Ben where he has to like get multiple points of view before he makes a decision, you know, like they're, they're both. I feel pretty baseless.
0: Absolutely. And I think that the differentiating factor is background music (laughs) because I was watching and listening as Lauren was talking about, you know, how she couldn't believe what people were saying and she couldn't believe that anybody would say that about her. And, and then, you know, they they sort of kiss and make up and they stand there and she's looking off in the distance while Ben is nuzzling against her neck. And she has kind of a weirdly blank expression on her face. Like she just sort of looks, it's like this little smile, but it's like not like a big smile and she's not like nuzzling him back. And I just kind of noticed like if there was sinister music playing in the background instead of like this soaring romantic kind of music that they have going, it would look like she's getting away with something. Right. Like she's evil. And like, cause she's like, Ben is mine. Like we're you know I mean? It's, it's very Olivia. She's like, you know, this is wonderful. I'm falling in love with him. And like, it, if there was sinister music in the background, it would totally play. Like she is the villain that Leah was trying to assert that she is. And it, I mean, it really, it makes all the difference how they edit it.
1: Yeah. It's very, it's very frustrating. I don't, I, I just kind of wonder what goes through the producer's mind like when they go like do they decide very early on like oh there's our villain up oh, there's our winner up oh, there's our you know fairy princess there's our our hometown hero like they just basically decide and just kind of like string a bunch of different edits together to make that work like I, I feel like it's, I don't know we've we, we've we've beaten this horse to death like like Olivia's edit makes for the villain not her actual choices but it's just very baffling when you have the contrast of Lauren to butt against that
0: I think it probably comes down to predictions because I think early on they're trying to gauge which direction the the lead is going to go with these different people and they encourage or discourage you know in the process. Um, to try to influence them but I mean they can't influence them entirely and I think that after 20 seasons or whatever they've actually gotten pretty good at this and so they're able to predict what's going to happen and so they're able to like make those determinations and and decide how they're going to edit how they're going to influence and and do all their behind the scenes machinations but I have not watched Ben Flanick's season, but apparently he chose the villain. And that was probably a surprise to the producers. Um, I don't think that they would have, you know, made the choices that they inevitably made to help support a villain edit if they knew that she was going to be the winner. A similar thing happened with Coltan and the fact that he liked Cassie better than anyone else. And he, he didn't want to tell anybody that because he knew that they would start to try to interfere with it. And so he kind of like kept that a secret until they were trying to convince her to go home. And then he threw all caution to the wind and jumped the you-know-what fence.
1: <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, the fence jump. Nothing has been the fence jump since. They keep trying to make the fence jump of each season. And there is only one fence jump, my friends. So I think it's time that we put on our amateur therapist hats on and have another round of armchair psychologist because we need to talk about the crazy Craig Cray craziness. That is Jojo's family. You have these two brothers that are really, really into protecting her. But then you have this other vibe where it's like, she has another sister and like, nobody seems to be talking to her at all. Or like, saying that they equally care about her other sisters. You know, she just seems like way off in the background.
0: Yeah, there did seem to be some implicit favoritism going on, and it was really strange. And the fact that these brothers led with aggressive, hostile language, again, to Ben Higgins, star quarterback in Warsaw, Indiana, the orthopedic capital, uh, and... The fact that they also led with, we are very protective of Joelle. It's like, okay, like, what has been done to be guilty until proven innocent? Like, why does he have to defend himself so badly? Like, what it maybe they're just opposed to the entire idea of him dating a bunch of people at once and their perfect, beautiful, precious sister being one of 30 or whatever. But you know what? She signed up for it. That was her prerogative. I don't understand, like, what they have to protect her from.
1: Well, like, the weird thing about this is it reminds me of uh, a similar situation in Nick's season where Nick does the the hometown date with Vanessa. And Vanessa is just basically like Mother Teresa for that whole community. Like, the whole school loves her. her. Her parents love her. Her mom loves her. Her grandma loves her. Her little brother is, like crying over her like the past- entire country of Canada loves her. Yeah, like like her little brother was like, I don't want you to get hurt again. And it's like okay, that like I I get that. Like Vanessa is very uh, and she's beautiful, but she's also like very you know kind hearted and, and sacrificially loving, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera.
0: But again, she signed up for it. It's not like anybody is attacking these women. They don't need to be protected from attack. They are going through a process that they volunteered for.
1: But what's weird about that is like Vanessa is one of two siblings; she's the elder and the only woman. In this case, Jojo is one of two daughters, and you just you get this weird vibe where it's basically like like oh, our poor Jojo, but it's like I don't know. Just
0: I kind of wondered if she's the baby because I think the brothers at least seemed way older than her. And the sister seemed like she maybe was older, too. Um, So I wonder if if Jojo is just like the baby of this rich family and they're all all the siblings are considerably older than her. And they're just like, oh, our little our sweet little sister. We just don't want any harm to befall her. And we have to protect her from the big, bad, scary world. And she had this horrible ex-boyfriend and we just don't want her to get hurt again. And she just doesn't know any better, which is stupid. But that may have been where they were coming from.
1: See this is really lost on me because I I come from a family where it's it's me and my younger brother that's it for siblings whenever you have a family dynamic with 3 or more siblings you get this whole other layer of interaction and politics and roles that people play like the, like people start playing certain roles in the family there's a whole school of of research uh on the psychology of families and I I have a couple friends who come from families of five siblings, six siblings. And it gets really, uh, and mashed and, and really interesting. You come from a family, uh, it's you and two brothers. Like, do you have, and you are the youngest of the three. Do you, do you, can you relate to this at all?
0: Um, not really because my, I didn't date until college. And so my brothers did not have any opinions about it because we didn't live in the same house. They were protective toward me, um, but I think, you know, if you have, I think if you have brothers who are like five or six years older than her, they're all really close to each other emotionally and they all have like kind of looked out for each other and, and given their opinions freely about <laughs> who uh, who they date or don't date, which I think is kind of weird, but you know, everybody does things differently, I guess. Um, then it would make more sense. Uh, I was definitely friends with my brothers, but we didn't weigh in that much on
1: each other's like romantic pursuits. That was not that was not on the table. Yeah, I can't really imagine that with your brothers. I don't know. It's 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 just um. There are all kinds of different family dynamics, and it's hard for me to relate to because like, yeah, JoJo was the baby. And then she became a five-year-old and then she became a 10-year-old and now she's in her 20s. So like, like you know, you would think like she's not a baby anymore. She is an adult. I, just, I don't know. It just seems very strange. Her parents seem way more relaxed about it than her brothers do.
0: Yeah. Her dad was basically like, you're a good guy and I know you have a good heart and you're thinking about this and you're communicating and, you know, I'm cool if you're cool, if she's cool. Um, I mean, he almost seemed a little passive about it, but which I found funny, but the the conversation she had with her mom was so sweet her mom was just like you have to go for this if you if you believe that this is this is it then then you have to give 150 percent." i mean she was like really cheering her on and it was just in such stark contrast to the brothers being like no we need to shut this guy down he's brainwashed all these women he you know he just he just thinks that he's he's the top dog and he can do whatever he wants. And I was like, where are you getting this? <laughs> like, what a contrast to Dr. Mama Fletcher, who was, you know, if you if you believe this is for you, then go after it with all of your heart. I mean, it just, it could not be more different. And uh, I don't know, I thought that she was really nice.
1: There's something that really struck me about this season that contrasts to other seasons I've seen uh, where with a male lead. And that is, I don't know if it was Ben's decision- directly, or was this kind of the way the show worked out this time? But Ben, in all three of his hometown visits, did not ask the father for permission to propose. And I think that's super smart, because I think if you're asking for permission to propose when you're going to do fantasy suites the very next week, like, you, you have to played that whole political game of like, oh well, um, maybe um, we're just going to spend some alone time. Like, eh, I'm not going to have sex with two other women that same week. You know, uh, I think it's very smart to not ask for permission until after you've got it down to two people and you know who you're going to ask. Then you can just ask, make a. Then you can just make a phone call and and not deal with the the awkward, like confrontational conversation with two other dads. If Ben thought that through he's a genius if ben did not think it through i really wish that future leads would have taken that into account and not had like i remember like ari and colton i mean just like they just like shot themselves in the foot with like hey can i put up this front of like being like a chivalrous human being even though you know and i know this is what i'm obligated to ask you and i'm going to be having sex with two other women next week you know
0: Yeah, I wonder if that was the last season that they allowed the lead to get away with that, because even, I think the next male lead was Nick Viall, right? Yeah, it was. And he had to ask all of them. And something tells me he didn't even want to ask Vanessa's dad, like, (laughs) who he ended up choosing. I feel like he didn't want to propose to anybody, but... (laughs) Uh, even somebody as perfect and pure and wonderful as Vanessa, our Vanessa, <laughs> who we just know all about, is so great. I'm trying to do a Canadian yeah, accent. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. No, you're doing just, great. Just, see, making sure that's clear. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Because he, no, that's, that's he, terrible. oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> that sounded like a bad, like Fargo or something. Yeah. yeah well, Love you, hon. Prowler Needs a Jump. What a great movie. Woodchipper. Um but yeah, I mean Nick Viol asked permission of all of the the dads at the hometown. So I'm I I wonder if the producers went, wait a minute, let's make this a requirement. Yeah. Cause this was too smooth sailing for for Mr. Axeman
1: Ben Higgins. Poor man, he just got right He has got right down to the wire and every other other lead has had to struggle since then.
0: I will say, I do think that although it was very, very undeserved that he got such a grilling by JoJo's brothers, who I think are bizarrely aggressive, uh, I felt he handled it really well and I felt he defended himself really well. I mean, he was just basically like, I really care about your sister and we're moving forward together and... I mean, he, he just basically characterized it like we're making decisions together and I care about her and I, I don't I don't want to hurt her. And I don't know, I just appreciated it because he didn't capitulate to what they were saying, but he also didn't like fight back against the validity of their feelings. He's like, I understand. And like, he, he just took it. Like when they were being really, really hard on him, he just was like, okay, I hear you and I understand. And I would feel that way too if I was in the situation and this is hard. And I don't know, I just felt like he was once again a real class act and I appreciated it. He navigated those choppy, awkward waters with great grace and
1: aplomb. Yeah, it seems like when I listen to, you know, comments online and podcasts and stuff, I think he is the most beloved or highly rated lead, as far as the men go, we should probably watch the Sean Lowe season. I think he might be second place, if not first. So that'll be a fun discovery. Um, Aside from that, I think we're good to keep watching and eat more M&Ms. you have anything else you want to say?
0: Yeah, I'm just... Really hoping that eventually we can figure out why love is so scary. I'm just, I'm falling in love with you and I'm just, but I'm so, which is so scary. I'm just so scared. That is the
1: theme of this season. Every girl is scared, scared, scared all the time. What is, what is that?
0: Maybe they're afraid of large crowds of kids and carnival rides. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Ducks, geese, boats. Yeah, they they all say it. Like Leah said it, Lauren said it, Jojo said it. Jubilee said, "It is like just love is scary. Love is scary, scary. I don't, I don't think it's that. I don't, I don't know.
0: Not in my experience, but maybe I'm not doing it right for what they're looking for on The Bachelor. Maybe that's how you know you're in love. You're terrified.
1: <laughs> well, let us know your thoughts in the comments or on Instagram. We look forward to watching the rest of the season with you. I hope you're enjoying it." Uh, Please, if you're uh, enjoying the show, do us a favor, share it with your friends, leave a comment on iTunes, or hit us up, slide into our DMs, let us know what you're thinking, and uh, we'd love to share your thoughts on the show.
0: And also, please let us know what your favorite flavor of M&M's are, because there are so many to choose from, and we're open to new suggestions. Until next time, cheers! Cheers!